Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Central Baptist Church Sunday School. I am Ann Elliott, and I'm so happy to be with you today as we continue our study about prayer. I'm very excited about looking together with you at our powerful lesson from Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 23. This section of scripture is known as Daniel's prayer to heal his land. I don't know about you, but since my childhood Sunday school days, I have been fascinated by artist depictions of biblical characters, as they were called. I can vividly remember my Sunday school teacher and Bible school teachers holding up pictures of each character as they told us Bible stories. In today's lesson, however, I will think of Daniel as a real person with real concern for his nation and people. My childhood is also filled with memories of music I learned in Sunday school, church, and vacation Bible school. I can still recall frequently singing the hymn, Dare to Be a Daniel, though I had no idea what that meant. I'm happy to say today's lesson offers a stark insight to the profound meaning of that song. This familiar verse from 2 Chronicles 7:14 is the background for our text today. It has particularly come to heighten awareness amongst Christians today who are concerned about themselves, ourselves, our people, and the current direction of our nation. The verse says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Throughout the lesson book this quarter, we've studied scriptures relating to prayer that moves heaven, power with purpose. We have studied about many of God's people who were troubled about the disobedience and sins of their nation and people, those in their intermediate circle of friends and people, and those beyond. In verses 1 through 23 of chapter 9, we find Daniel's experience and testimony of powerful prayer with the purpose of moving God to consider removing his wrath from Israel and restoring his people. And nation. The primary idea of today's lesson is to look at Daniel's life and prayer life as he pleads with God to forgive the sins of his people and restore the glory of the nation of Israel. Through studying Daniel's prayer, we will ask and answer the question of whether his prayers and our prayers can evoke God's mercy and forgiveness for ourselves as individuals, as well as our nation. The book of Daniel itself is different from other books in the Bible, even the other prophets, as Daniel's book relates dreams, visions, and images of the future in a specific historical context. Daniel is divided into two major sections. Chapters one through six is when he is in exile, and when he experienced the Lord's protection of him and his rise to a political leadership role among the foreign people of Babylon. 
chapter 7 through 12 deals with Daniel's visions from the Lord involving the future of Israel and beyond. In reference to dreams and visions and images of the future, the word apocalypse did not mean something catastrophic as we know it today, but it rather meant to reveal or uncover something. Actually, Daniel and John had similar apocalyptic concepts in that the Holy Spirit revealed to both men through unusual images of future events in order to assure God's people that he was sovereign and the future was his. Daniel's prophecy projects past its immediate fulfillment to the end of time when the Lord commands all of creation back to its intended purpose. In his dreams, visions, and the archangel Gabriel's visit to Daniel, we find that this is still pertinent today as it reveals the future of Israel, world history even, and beyond to the end of time. The 77s, is an intriguing calculation of time describing the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of a Messiah. Daniel's prayer is for the forgiveness of the sins of his fellow countrymen and for God's favor on his now desolate sanctuary of worship. I will be reading today's scripture from the NIV version. We'll start with verse 1 and go through verse 3. In the first year of Darius, the son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel was a high ruler in the kingdom of Babylon. Some say Daniel was not a prophet at all, but a political leader whom God used as a prophetic mouthpiece, if you will, to the Gentile and Jewish world, declaring God's present and eternal purpose. The chapter begins by defining the exact time in history in which he pleaded to the Lord for mercy, 539 BC, during the first year of Darius' reign. He was the king also during Ezra's ministry. Jeremiah and other prophets have prophesied that the Jerusalem temple would be destroyed and Jerusalem would be deserted for a period of 70 years as a period of God's judgment for Israel's sins against God's commandments. Daniel responded to these prophecies with prayer and fasting, as you see, as with sackcloth and ashes as a sign of mourning on behalf of Israel. Prayer was a habit for Daniel it was a lifestyle for Daniel, as we can see indicated in the story of his interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. As a prayer warrior, he was not afraid of public prayer as he demonstrated during his captivity in the den 
of lions. In verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Daniel addressed God as Nehemiah had done, as great and awesome, and one who keeps his covenant of love. And that covenant of love is being translated as steadfast love relating to the covenant between God and Israel for those who love him and keep his commandments. Daniel confesses the sin and the guilt of Israel and himself in a liturgy, litany expressing willful transgressions of the people against their loving God. Daniel also confessed the people had not listened to the past prophets who warned of God's judgment. Earlier prophets had known God's requirements of confession and repentance as the necessary foundation of all truly restored lives before a holy God. Again, Solomon's conditions for God's favor are found in the verse we read earlier, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Daniel knew his people must take action in humility, intercession, intentional pursuit of the presence of God, turn back and repent from their sins. Verses 7-9. through nine, Daniel says, Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. We can see here that Daniel expresses the obvious differences between sin and guilt of the people by using the terms covered with shame and the mercy and forgiveness of God. This was of utmost significance as the ancient world was an honor-shame culture. The sins and humiliation of an individual carried over to an entire family, tribe, or nation. Therefore, the sins of each person had dire consequences for the whole nation. Again, he emphasized the people had failed to obey the law of the Lord or keep the law of God given through his prophets. He also praised the nature of God as righteous, merciful, and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So in this case, we can see 
that Daniel's prayer was of simultaneous praise and confession. Verses 11 through 14 say that all Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Daniel confessed all that would happen to Israel was justified and expected given God's warnings through former prophets. God's warning also had a positive side in that obedience to his commandments would bring about God's blessings. The willful disobedience and actions of the Israelites were evident that there was no intention by them to heed the Ten Commandments and God's warning through the prophets. We can see from this side of the Old Testament that God kept his word regarding blessings and judgment with the destruction of Jerusalem. God's punishment comes out of his righteousness. He must discipline those who turn away from him because not doing so would be inconsistent with his character. This same trust of righteous punishment between man and God is also valid under the new covenant of Jesus the Christ. God's righteousness judgment righteous judgment required payment for the penalty of sin jesus was the ultimate payment for all sin and atonement of the righteousness which god required as expressed in first timothy chapter 2 verses 5 and 6 verse 15 now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. In this passage, Daniel acknowledges God's rightful judgment of Israel, and now he recounts previous saving acts of God throughout history as he declares his trust in a forgiving and loving God. He prays 
specifically for God to no longer show his anger and wrath toward Jerusalem. He refers to Jerusalem being God's holy hill. Daniel says to God that the name of the Lord had now become disrespected and no longer feared by Israel's surrounding peoples. Ezekiel had already said defeated Israelites in captivity had become the prey and derision to the rest of the nations all around them. Nevertheless, God allowed just as grace of the sins and the iniquities of their ancestors. Verse 17, Daniel says, Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel continued to pray because he was assured the Lord would answer his prayer for God's own sake, not because of who he was or who Israel was. Like Nehemiah, Daniel asked that God incline his ear and open his eyes to see the dire situation of his people. He asked God to listen to his prayers and pleas for mercy so that the Lord's face would shine upon his sanctuary again, Jerusalem and the temple. Both Moses and Aaron offer blessings for the people of Israel saying, make your face shine upon the temple and the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. They recalled the bright countenance of Moses when he came off Mount Sinai, so bright he had to put on a veil not to frighten the people. By contrast, true followers of Jesus have unveiled faces that should reflect the glory of God as they are transformed into the likeness and light of Jesus. Daniel continued to offer a prayer of confession of sin and to seek God, the Lord's forgiveness. His is a pattern for all of us to follow as we make our own specific request to God about anything. The next section of the chapter is entitled The 77s, referring to the 490 years from the issuing of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of an anointed one Messiah, who would be put to death. Verse 20. 
while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord, my God, for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you begin, began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Daniel confessed that he brought his plea for mercy for the sake of the Lord and because of God's righteousness and great mercy. Like us, on his own, Daniel had no standing before the Lord to make this request. Just his confidence in the Lord's character and God's faithfulness to his covenant. For us, the new covenant is our confidence that God saved us in Jesus Christ, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Titus 3, 4 through 5. Daniel's prayer concluded with another plea for forgiveness and for God to take action for the Lord's sake and that of Jerusalem and his people. In this scripture today, Daniel has presented us a remarkable example of someone who saw the effects of sin and disobedience of God and knew he had to take action. Daniel's action was to intercede on the behalf of his people through fervent, selfless prayer and fasting, sackcloth and ashes, the visible signs of his broken and repentant heart for the sake of the whole nation of Israel. His confession of sin against God was extraordinarily earnest, personal, contrite, and honest. Daniel repeatedly acknowledged that Jesus, excuse me, that God's just actions against his people were because of their sins. Without any doubt, he prayed to God, believing God would answer his prayers to save their land, not again because of who Daniel was, but because of who God is, righteous and merciful. Daniel knew in his heart God was capable and merciful to reverse the order of destruction for Jerusalem and Israel. While he recalled previous historical mighty acts of God, he did not plead for God to act on his own reputation or safety, but for God's sake and God's reputation among the nations. Daniel's message is of God's character expressed in his steadfast love and faithfulness to his word. His love and faithfulness are our certain and constant hope even now that God will respond to our pleas for the restoration of things tangible and intangible that have been destroyed by our sinful disobedience. 
Thankfully, God is motivated by his own character of forgiveness and mercy. Who he is still gives us hope and constitutes the basis of all our answered prayers. Daniel felt compelled to pray for a specific geographical location, Jerusalem, and a particular people, the Israelites. He never doubted or lost faith that God did not hear his prayers and would listen to his pleas of mercy and forgiveness that would spare his people from God's wrath. Surely, his prayers are an example to us that we can in the present do the same for certain people groups and individual cities, those in our own country and the world. God's word through Daniel, Solomon, Ezra, and Nehemiah indicates that he is waiting and willing in the present to hear our prayers of repentance and respond in mercy toward healing and restoration of his people and followers of Christ. The implication from today's scripture to uh, take action by us is apparent and quite compelling. Along with prayers for his people in Daniel's heart of sincere humility and repentance, evident in his prayers, he took responsibility for his own sins as a contributing factor for God's allowing of the destruction of Jerusalem and the Israelites. I wonder, do we evaluate our own spiritual condition or blame others for the troubles of our nation and world? Might we be guilty of self-righteousness denying our part of the problem? While God does not send us angels to aid in our times of trouble or deliver us from a den of lions, God has not left us powerless and hopeless amidst the trials and ramifications experienced by the sins of his people today. Do we believe that? If we truly believe it, how does our belief manifest itself in hope and trust in the righteousness and mercy of our loving God? How does our belief translate into actions and attitudes that demonstrate to God and others that we believe in him? What similarities do we see between Daniel's culture and modern culture? What differences do we see? How do we think our lives would be different if we prayed like Daniel did, do we really think they would be different? What attitudes and behaviors hinder us from praying for our nation as Daniel prayed for his? Perhaps you are already praying for our country, or perhaps for some reason you're hesitant to pray for our country. How can we pray specifically for the political leaders 
in our city, state, and nation? What prejudices, if any, do we bring that affect how we pray? When we think about applying this lesson to our lives, it would make sense that we would want to thank God for being rich and lavish in mercy and forgiveness. We would believe in God and pray for our nation to repent and return to him. We might even consider writing an encouraging word to a political leader to help embolden them in the faith of their role as a leader in our nation. We could perhaps contemplate ways we could influence our community as to help us be salt and light in a dark world. This passage of Daniel's prayer has given me a lot to think about, perhaps you too. It certainly challenges me to live life differently through devoted prayers. As we end our lesson today, I would like to pray with you together as we reflect and ponder Daniel's life and love for his people and what his example of the power of prayer means to us today. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for this day of Bible study and worship. We thank you for your many undeserved blessings to us and your many acts of forgiveness to us as sinners. We are grateful that we live in this country with all its imperfections and shortcomings. You have given us your truth in word, both in scripture and in the person of your son. We thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus for our atonement and payment that allows us to meet your prerequisites of mercy and forgiveness. We confess that in our material prosperity and fascination with worldliness, we have fallen prey to lures of disobedience and darkness. We have given in to appetites for things that do not bring you glory and honor. As Daniel did in the sixth century before Christ, we look around and see how people and nations, including our own, are turning their backs on you for many reasons. At times, we as Christians have been both problems and solutions to restoring our land for your glory. Help us, we pray, to accept now our real responsibility as Christians in the future of our nation and world in our prayers and actions. In all humility, we ask your forgiveness for any areas of rebellion in our hearts and lives. In our new covenant with you, God, help us turn to Jesus and draw on his strength and guidance as we move forward in faith and trust that you can forgive your people and restore our land. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
I want to thank you for exploring this important scripture in Daniel with me today. It was a bit lengthy, but I hope it was helpful to all of us in our efforts to be the individuals and people God wants us to be. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday, and I also hope you will join us for worship immediately following this Sunday school lesson.